was in the mystery box? And did this have anything to do with the synchronicity of the matching zip codes? For anyone who's read some of my earlier books, they may recall that in 2014, I discussed the strange case of Elisa Lam, which was very current at the time. But I have spent now a considerable amount of time over the last few months revisiting the case of Elisa Lam. The fate of Elisa is a tale of tragedy, synchronicity, and perhaps of how the hunter became the prey in a game that was quite possibly crafted, as Gnostics would say, eons ago, and put into play by shadowy figures of dark power across centuries. Elisa Lam's unexplained death is a deeply mysterious story, unanswered questions which yearn for revelation of the method, and yet the path to truth lies shrouded in obscurity, layered in riddles, and revolving in astonishing synchronicities. The baffling death seemed to grip much of the world in February 2013, largely due to the bizarre video capturing her in an elevator just before she disappeared. She was gone for 19 days. The video capturing some of her last known movements were taken from what was strangely said to have been the only security camera in the Cecil Hotel in downtown LA. LAPD released the footage of her inside the elevator in an appeal for information about her whereabouts after her parents reported they had not heard from her and this was highly unusual. An official missing persons case was opened and the world became transfixed by Elisa inside the elevator. Her behaviour was odd, playful perhaps in moments, but the overall tone was incredibly eerie and sinister. It was as though she was in a desperate fight for life. Her enemy, however, was both unknown and unseen. It would not be until guests staying at the hotel began to report to staff, two weeks later, that the water in their rooms tasted most odd, that she would be found naked, dead and floating in one of the water towers on the roof of the hotel. In June 2013, authorities determined that Elisa Lam's death was accidental and caused by her own hand. Many crucial questions, however, have been left unanswered, one of which is why would she climb over 15 feet up the side of the water tower on a roof at night without her glasses, alone, and climb in? Another question is what is happening to her in the very disturbing footage inside the elevator on the night she disappeared. Captured in immemorial now, it's chilling and unnerving to watch her. There's something very wrong here. She is seen entering the hotel elevator, pressing lots of buttons quickly, and then peeking out of the open elevator door into the corridor, several times, while she waits for the elevator to close. It's almost as though she is fearful that someone is after her, and perhaps they were. Peering along the hotel corridor, she waits as the door fails to close. Becoming increasingly agitated and distressed, we watch her begin to make increasingly odd gestures with her hands, then step out of the elevator, and she seems to hide in the corridor, but then quickly she returns, appearing terrified. Is her imagination playing tricks with her? Or is her killer there, out of sight of the camera, but lurking within inches of her? Strange shadows and movement can be seen inside the elevator, 
Even face-type forms appear on the walls. It looks like a scene from a horror movie. The video quality is not good, however, and perhaps this accounts for the shadows and blurs. Although in hindsight, we are watching it in the full knowledge that soon Elisa would die. Some people think that on studying the video, they catch sight of a foot in the corridor. Adding to the mystery is that for some reason, when the police released the footage of Elisa in the elevator, it had been chopped and cut, and the speed at which it plays had also been altered. The video appears to have no timestamp, and nearly one minute has been cut from the footage. Why was some of the video cut? What did it show? We are left to wonder because the total footage is not available. The video is running slower than real time, making her movements appear even more unhinged and inexplicable. At one point, she puts her hands out in front of her, as though feeling for something that is with her in this small enclosed space but is not visible. As we watch her, when she realises there is an intangible, invisible thing enclosed with her, the expression of horror on her face grows and she wrenches her hands together in anguish, trying to stem the panic, bending her knees as the weakness of fear envelops her, trying to maintain her grip on her sanity. Something she does not understand is happening to her. Her behaviour is of disorientation, shock, fear and perhaps hopelessness. Some of the headlines after Elisa's death included Watch CCTV footage shows woman stalked by ghosts shortly before death. See Elisa chattering and gesturing with some invisible entity. But there's a lot more to it than that. She becomes terrified, wrenching her hands together, sinking into a crouch as she goes weak at the knees. She doesn't understand what is happening to her. Some will say she was on drugs, but none were found in her system. Whichever the answer, her tragic case has fascinated so many. Where are her glasses? She needed them. Is this why she's fumbling in the elevator? She was on medication for bipolar disorder. Had she forgotten to take her tablets? Or was she having some kind of nervous breakdown? Isn't there simply a logical answer for her unorthodox behaviour, an unexpected demise, without looking for riddles and enigma in her last known images? Her behaviour is perhaps that of someone who has drugs in their system. Yet we will later learn that she had no illegal drugs in her body. At moments during this footage, perhaps we could interpret her behaviour as playful, coy, flirtatious even. Perhaps she's playing hide-and-seek or peek-a-boo with a person, a date perhaps, who is in the corridor. She's playing a game, childlike, innocent in her happiness, intimate in her emotions, isn't she? And yet she ended up dead. Rebirthed in water, her spirit released from her mortal body in what could have even been the most horrifying ritual. One that began, if not long before, when two mystery men walked into the lobby of the hotel and handed her a little box. This box has never been found, and what was inside of it has never been discovered. Nor has the identity of the two men, or why she would be meeting with them. A delivery man, perhaps, would be understandable, but... It doesn't seem that that's what these two men were. 
and two delivery men. The real purpose of their visit to Elisa at the Cecil Hotel, we may never know. Said LAPD robbery and homicide detective to Nelson, We did see her come in with two gentlemen. They handed her a box, gave it to her. She went up, into the elevator. We never saw them again on video. So what was in the box and who were these two men? Well, before we go too far down a winding and dark path of riddles, conspiracy, coincidences and hidden meanings, perhaps we should start at the beginning. Canadian Elisa Lam was 21 years old when she disappeared in downtown LA. She'd taken some time off her university studies to travel alone. She'd first travelled to San Diego, where she visited the city zoo and a speakeasy, where she lost her phone, which had been borrowed from a friend. On January the 26th, she arrived in LA after travelling alone by Amtrak. It's believed she had come to LA in part to go to some of the places where scenes of her favourite movie, the atmospheric but sombre Drive, starring Ryan Gosling, had been filmed. During her trip, she phoned her parents on a daily basis. They were Hong Kong emigres who owned a Vancouver restaurant. When she stopped phoning her parents on January the 31st, they called LAPD and an investigation to find her began. Elisa had planned to stay four nights at the Cecil Hotel, then move on to the next stop on what she had called her West Coast tour. During her time in LA, she had explored downtown, including visiting a bookstore. On the afternoon of January the 31st, her last known day alive, she had visited the last bookstore, located just a few blocks from the hotel. There, she had purchased some books and records to take back to Canada with her as presents for family and friends. Katie Orphan, the bookstore's manager, remembers her as very outgoing, very lively, talking about what book she was getting. Six days later, on February the 6th, LAPD's Robbery and Homicide Division held a press conference appealing for help from the public. The police described her disappearance as suspicious. Six days after this, the police released the bizarre footage of Elisa in the hotel. Five days after the release of the erratic movements of Elisa in the elevator, hotel guests complained that the water coming from their taps tasted strange and had a dark colouring. Hotel maintenance worker Santiago Lopez was sent up to the roof to check the water supply. He found Elisa's body floating face up in one of the water tanks. Firefighters had to cut the tank and drain it to get her body out. The maintenance employee said that on the day he found Elisa, he took the elevator to the 15th floor and took a staircase up to the roof. He had to turn on the rooftop alarm. He said he didn't notice anything wrong with the alarm on the door to the roof that day, nor had he heard the alarm go off at any point during Elisa's stay, although presumably he did not work 24 hours a day. He said he then had to climb up onto the platform where the four water tanks sat. Then he had to climb another ladder to get to the top of the water tank. He said the hatch to the water tank was open. The hotel's chief engineer, Pedro Tovar, said there were four ways to get onto the roof. Via 
three fire escapes through interior doors and one staircase from the 14th floor. An alarm will sound if someone attempts to open the door to the roof. If the alarm sounds, it can be heard at the reception desk of the hotel, as well as the 14th and 15th floors, he explained. CBS Canada reported, the hotel engineer said he tested the alarm regularly. When Elisa went missing, he said it was in working order. If someone were able to successfully elude detection somehow and access the roof, the engineer added that you would first have to climb up to the platform on which the tanks sat, then squeeze between them. Once through this, another ladder, which you could then use to climb onto one of the four water tanks. The engineer said, in his 30 years at the hotel, he'd never heard of any person being found injured or dead around or in the water towers. In fact, this was so unheard of that when the parents of Elisa Lamb tried to sue the hotel, the case was dismissed on the grounds that the hotel could not possibly have anticipated that someone would get to the location in which Elisa's body was found. It was just not an easy route. After the discovery of her body, the LA Times reported, Los Angeles police investigators searched the roof of the Cecil Hotel with the aid of dogs when Lamb was reported missing about three weeks ago. Homicide detective Tanel set up a base at the hotel in the days after Elisa's disappearance. He said every nook and cranny of the building, where we thought was a room, locked or unlocked, it was to be searched. His partner, homicide detective Lopez, however, said he didn't know if the water tanks were examined by the dogs, nor all the rooms. He said we did a very thorough search of the hotel, but we didn't search every room. We could only do that if we had probable cause that a crime had been committed. Why could the police dogs not pick our scent up at all? We know the roof could also be accessed by fire escapes that had no alarm. Would a killer have carried her up to the roof by fire escape? Would a killer have forced Elisa to climb ahead of him, up a fire escape in the dark, then force her to squeeze through the gap on the ledge where the plumbing equipment was, and climb up another ladder? The detectives investigating Elisa's death never really got to the bottom of exactly how she would have accessed the roof without triggering an alarm if she hadn't gone via a fire escape. And yet, at least one private investigator has told me that there were two possible door exits to the roof, and on one of these doors, a handle was missing. Another investigator managed to access the water tower, albeit via the nerve-wracking route of exiting a window and climbing the exterior fire escape ladder, Two of the water tank's lids were actually open, though they were meant to be closed. The homicide police believed Elisa caused her own death, that she did this to herself. Tanel told the Cecil Hotel's lawyers, I think she went through the door. It was my opinion that she climbed in on her own. The most pertinent question really, apart from how she got onto the roof, would be why would Elisa go up onto the roof, on her own? without her glasses, at night, in the first place. How did she then end up inside one of the hard-to-access water tanks? Why would a slight, petite young woman climb up one of these ladders, lift the hydraulic lid and climb inside? Was she drugged and acting unknowingly? 
a date rape drug like GHB or scopolamine, a drug so horrifying that you can get a person to do anything you ask them to and they won't remember a thing about it. You can administer it very simply, by casual touch, or simply by blowing it at someone, and they will do anything you ask them to. Then they will have no memory of what they've done. It isn't routinely screened in toxicology. Although they did screen for MDMA and cocaine, and none were found in her system, no illicit drugs were found inside Elisa, unless a rare drug that had been used and not screened for in toxicology. Strangely, she had very little blood left in her body with which to carry out forensic and toxicology tests. The lid of the water tower in which Elisa's body lay was open when they found her. People have wondered, how did she manage to lift the large lid of the water tank? But had it already been open when she'd gone up onto the roof? It's believed the lid was operated by a hydraulic system, which would have made it easier to open, but it seems it could also quite possibly have already been open. There was, however, no ladder beside the water tower when her body was discovered. So how did she climb in? Or, we could also say, how did she remove the ladder from the side of the water tank once she was inside the water tank? No incriminating evidence was found at the scene, Detective Tunnell insisted. It was my opinion that she climbed in on her own, My partner and I tried to figure out how somebody could have put her in there and it's difficult for someone to have been able to do that and leave no DNA or anything like that. So she climbed in on her own, he says. She was tiny. It would have been an endurance to climb up via an external fire escape ladder then scale another ladder to get onto the platform and then climb another ladder to get into the tank. She also would have had to find a ladder and do this in the dark without her glasses. If she did somehow manage to do this by herself, someone could still be responsible for manslaughter, if she had been chased to her death. A review left on Yelp for the Cecil Hotel by Mary Kate says, Someone was watching me shower from the attached bathroom through the vent. Yes, I saw someone watching me through the vent don't know if it was an employee or a guest. Thanks a lot. I hope there isn't a video of me somewhere on the internet. When Elisa was found inside the water tank, she was naked. Her clothes were floating in the water. Why would she take her clothes off? A syndrome called paradoxical undressing, where due to the extreme cold, a person's nerves will make them feel increasingly hot. And in an effort to cool down, a person will remove their clothes. But this is something that usually happens in the outdoors, camping or hiking, when a person is ill-equipped. It's not something that's usually reported in water. Had she removed her clothes in a desperate attempt to stay afloat? Or had her clothes been removed from her body by someone else, before she entered the water? Perhaps Elisa had fled her captor nude, grabbing her clothes as she ran. Her autopsy shows rectal prolapse. There was no suggestion she'd been sexually assaulted in her autopsy report. Online newspaper The Daily Maverick, however, said they spoke to three doctors, all of whom opined that the evidence was suggestive of trauma. Her autopsy said 
The anus is odomatous and shows pooling of blood in the subcutaneous tissues surrounding the orifice. Well, one of the three doctors they spoke to said it was highly likely there had been a sexual assault. But another of the doctors, Dr David Klatsos, said there was insufficient information given in the autopsy. But he added that the bruising in the anus could have been a result of the body's advanced state of decomposition and have a non-traumatic cause connected to it. Sexual assault kit was noted in the coroner's report, but no results were given. So we don't know if the kit was used. In essence, then, we don't know if she was assaulted or not. Why did she get into the water tank? In the elevator, we could suggest that her behaviour was playful. She was playing hide-and-seek or a game with somebody, but did she go up onto the roof and get into the water tower because she was playing a game with someone? That would seem an extraordinarily risky game to play. Was this an act of suicide? Yet there are far easier methods which spring to mind, rather than to climb up onto a roof, than a ladder at night without glasses. How would she even have known there was a water tower up there? Had she run up to the roof to escape someone, seen the towers and decided to hide inside of one? That seems so dangerous, and indeed it was, because she would not emerge from the tank alive. If Elisa had been planning to kill herself, she could simply have jumped off the roof or out of a window. Both are far, faster and more instant deaths than drowning. She could have taken an overdose with her prescribed medication. She had enough tablets with her to do this. Crucially, however, the detectives and the coroner did not believe she purposely tried to kill herself. They believed it was an accident. But if it was an accident, what was she doing up there in the first place? And why was she naked when she was found? Was she having some kind of nervous breakdown? A psychotic break? But why would it manifest now? She'd been taking her medication for bipolar disorder for at least a year prior to this incident. Was she experiencing heightened anxiety, extreme internal distress? Was she hallucinating or hearing voices, hearing footsteps, seeing shadows when no person existed? Was she fleeing something that was entirely in her own mind? Her autopsy showed she had been taking her medication, but had possibly missed at least a dose of her antipsychotic medications. Yet that surely would not have caused such an immediate and spectacular breakdown. These types of medication take a while to break down and leave the system entirely. Elisa's autopsy determined that she had drowned, with bipolar disorder contributing, but not related to the immediate cause of death. If she had drowned in the tank, as her autopsy says, then we know she had definitely been alive upon entering the water. Unless she had been drowned in a bath or shower and her body taken to the water tower to dispose of. Her body had no trauma. There were no signs she had fought or struggled with anyone. And there were no injuries to show she had struggled to get out of the water tank. There were no scratch marks inside the water tank. No fingernails were torn. There was a quarter-inch round abrasion on her left knee. What had caused this small abrasion? Had she accidentally scuffed against something with her knee during that night? Or had she perhaps been on her knees at some point that night? 
and someone forced her to her knees, in a hotel room, for example. Had there been some kind of forced sexual activity that night before she had managed to flee and escape to the roof? Why was she wearing men's shorts? Was it her fashion style? She had a low-key blog called Ether Fields. It was primarily a fashion blog. She was passionate about high fashion, runway fashion, and she held dreams of becoming a full-time fashion writer. Her online posts show her to be very much a follower of style, and so it calls into question why she would be wearing medium-sized men's undershorts, particularly given that she was so petite. Perhaps she had been in bed or was getting ready to go to bed and these were the most comfortable things to sleep in. Were these her shorts? She was a fashion blogger, but she writes that she fears being judged for being too materialistic. She's also sensitive about her appearance, once commenting that though she had purchased a pair of shoes she'd been dying to get, her legs now looked too chunky in the photo she posted of herself wearing them. She said, I have to admit, I'm very self-conscious about my legs. In proportion to the rest of my body, thick and bulky, I shy away from dresses and skirts because my legs create a stumpy effect. It makes one question why she was wearing unflattering oversized men's shorts that night that she vanished. But maybe they were in fashion at the time. Along with these shorts, she wore a red hoodie and a white shirt. At the Cecil Hotel, we can see she's wearing this outfit. Very strangely. This is identical to the outfit a character called Cecilia wore in the horror movie Dark Water, where a woman ends up dead in a water tower on the roof of a building. The movie also has a very creepy elevator scene with a young woman dressed identical to Elisa Lam in the Cecil Hotel elevator. What happened to Elisa is almost identical to this horror movie. Yet, the movie was made before Elisa died. Elisa died 2013. The movie was released in 2005. It's a remake of a Japanese horror movie. And the story originates from a book by Koji Suzuki, who also wrote The Rings. The American version of Dark Water stars Jennifer Connelly as Dahlia, who has a young daughter called Cecilia. They move into a run-down apartment. Not long after they move in, water begins to drip from the bedroom ceiling. The elevator in the building is prone to malfunctioning, like Elisa's elevator. Cecilia sneaks up to the roof one day and finds a backpack sitting next to the water tower. In time, Cecilia and Dahlia cannot help but notice the dark water which starts to run out of their taps and toilet. Dahlia goes up to the roof, and to her horror, she finds a girl's dead body floating in the water tower, just like the real-life case of Elisa. How can it be that a movie released before Elisa vanished seems to mimic, so precisely, the last known hours of Elisa's life, even down to the exact outfit she was wearing in an old elevator that malfunctions, just like the elevator in the movie?